Last week we were talking about the church. You know, what, what is the church? What's, you know, what, what's, what's the deal there? And we talked about Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles and many of the believers who were there. And all of a sudden, Peter, the same Peter who denied Christ, you know, 50 days earlier, started preaching in front of the same people he denied Christ in front of, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, a changed person. And as he began to preach, he preached Christ. He preached his death. He preached the resurrection. He preached preached repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Told him to get baptized. Said, come on. And that day, 3,000 people were added. And so I'm just going to pick up and read again at the end of Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 36. This is at the end of his message, his very long message. It's probably around 40 minutes is my guess. Probably 45 minutes, so it's okay to preach that long. Oh, wait, that's extra biblical. You guys got me. Your discernment's going off, right? (laughs) Therefore... Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And really, the preaching of the gospel, this is what it does. It asks men, what do we do? And this is not up to your eloquence your ability, your personality, and all those things, this is, this is the power of the gospel, the message. God uses different personalities. He uses different people. He uses different uh, situations and, and things. But the message is, is where the power is. In, in the, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 17 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation. First to the Jew, then to the Gentiles, right? The power of the gospel and as a church, we need to realize that I'm not the person who saves someone. God is. But I am to be faithful with the message he has given me. And, and, and we see that this is happening with Peter here. But they, they cried out after hearing the word taught. and said, well, what, what in the world are we going to do? They came to the realize that, realization that their sins had crucified the Lord. And... Really, that's kind of the same thing with us. We've Our sins put Him on the cross. And the whole world stands guilty. What are we going to do? And Peter replies, he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, from all whom the Lord will call, with many other words. So the sermon went on and on, right? He warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation, obviously saying, accept the message, turn from it. You have the choice in that. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. And that was a really religious society, wasn't it? Extremely religious. Everybody converged on Jerusalem. Boy, if if that's a corrupt generation, what are we? Lord God, help us. Those who accepted his message, which means that some didn't, were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Notice the word church isn't mentioned. When we talked about what the church is, church is the word means gathering. 
It's not a building. It's you. It's the, it's the believers in Jesus Christ. They were called the way early on. They were called the way. They were deemed Christians by their people who, uh, by people who looked at them and said, man, look at those little people. They're just like Jesus. They're Christians. Little Christians. It's a mockery term. They go, yeah, that's right. We are. We're just like him. It says, with many other words, and those who accepted his message were baptized, about 3,000. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the Lord. They rearranged their lives. They were following after him. There was a change. And everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles, which is super cool. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and the good, their goods they gave to anyone that had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day they met. It wasn't a Sunday, just a Sunday deal, was it? Or a Saturday deal for them, right? And they broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And it says, and this is a great verse, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We see a couple of things here. One is the preaching of the word, and the second was the effect of changed lives on the society. How God used those two things in these people. And so this is what we call evangelism. And one of the topics that you've, you've asked to hear about was, uh, you know, how do I share my faith? And so rather than for me standing up here for another half an hour and telling you to go do it, um, you know, I've kind of taken a, a, a cue from Gary, what he's done in the past. I just decided to ask some, you know, various people in the body to come up and me just ask them. And this is not a how-to. Uh, I'm just hoping to get a cross-section of you guys so we understand that, number one, we're all called to do it. Number two, there are a lot of struggles involved, a lot of failures, right? And so I'm not here to grill them. And, and number three, what, what's, what's working? Maybe you get an, an, if we have time to get an, an aspect of what's going on in our society, our cultures. And just may the Holy Spirit bring up in our lives, in our hearts, what needs to happen in our lives to reach people for Jesus Christ. Because it's not happening Not, you know, Choi. So what are you saying? I'm not telling you. I don't know, guys. I'm just all together. Look at us. Are people coming to Jesus Christ? Question. And, and it's not a, it's, it's not a, uh, I don't want to smack everybody and go, what's, what's wrong with you guys? I've got things i got to change, right? How many people have I brought to Jesus Christ? How many have I preached the gospel to? You guys, it's easy, right? You're all like preaching to the choir, right? But it's not happening. And what are we here for? Are we here to get a paycheck? Well, part of it, and God wants us to take care of stuff, right? He's blessed us, but we're here for his kingdom. And so I just want to take a few minutes and, and just talk with some brothers and sisters about, hey, how's this going? What's going on? What are your struggles? And I think you're going to identify, you know, identify with your brothers and sisters up here. And then hopefully, we're going to go, Lord, boy, 
what is it you want us to do? Amen? And that's how we're going to change things around, is just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and responding to Him. Amen? All right. So um, let's go ahead and have the people ask uh, Gayala, Carrie, Carrie, yeah, Gayala, Carrie. Let's sorry about that. Gayala, Gary. Uh, let's have uh, Lori Sweet and uh, Byron Mellon. Come on up. Give them a hand, everybody. Sit wherever you like. Yeah. Sorry about that. All right, you guys, knock it off. <laughs> All right. Um, let's just start. I think everybody knows everybody almost, but we'll just go ahead and start with Gary with a G. And uh, Gary, just uh, just your name, obviously, and, and maybe just uh, where you work, your married wife, all that stuff. Just give us your social security number. Rank cereal. Just a brief introduction about yourself. Okay. First, my passwords to my bank account. <laughs> okay, let's turn the volume up on this. So. I work out at the Walla Walla Community College, and this is something that um, I prayed about 25 years ago. Talked to a man named Art Wilmore and said, what would it take? to teach at the community college. And and is there enough Christians out there? I really think God's calling me to that. So, yeah, remember that? Um, and I'm married to Susie, who's doing Sunday school this morning. We have four kids. And um, is that good? Yeah, it's good. No social security numbers. <laughs> Morning. My name is uh, Byron Melling. I'm... Uh, married to Maria Melling, and that's my oldest daughter, Alexandra Melling, Alex. right next to Maria Melling. <laughs> Yay, Alexandra. Um, and I have two other kids, uh, Nigel Melling, he's over in Seattle going to school, and we just dropped off Hannah on Wednesday, and she's down in uh, Eugene. Is that good? That's awesome. I don't know any of my bank numbers. Maria does, so you could ask her. Do you work? Oh, yes. I, d I do work. Sorry, Tim. Um, I'm an elevator mechanic, and outside you've seen my new cute little van. That's mine. <laughs> my, my name is Lori Sweet, and um, I'm married to Fred Sweet. And my daughters are Emma and Josie Sweet and Holly, and I work here at Liberty Christian School with Gayala. <laughs> My name is Keala with a K, um, and I work with Lori here at Liberty Christian School. Um, Heather's back there with our four kids, Jonah, Sam, Faith, and Lori. So uh, really quickly, I, I think I think one of the things that I, I wanted to ask, if we could keep the answers probably within maybe a minute each uh, on this one, or maybe a minute and a half. I'll give you a minute and 45 seconds. Um, but just share briefly how you came to faith in Christ. Oh, okay. So um, I I just never knew a life without Christ. I grew up in the church. My 
I think it was in 1974 or 1976 that my dad accepted the Lord, and I was born in 70, so it's kind of like I, I just kind of uh, grew up in the church. I didn't know any different, but I can't say the same for my siblings because they're a lot older than me, so they knew my dad when he was uh, um, in his heathen days, as we would say, <laughs> and that has had a big impact on their life. I mean, it really has, and so uh, like they, they still kind of struggle with a few things, of his conversion and things like that, and um, and for me, I just never knew a man that was any different than than the guy that he is, and so so I always I always knew the Lord, so I don't know a life without Him. Um, that doesn't mean that I did the best things in my life or that I continue to do the best things, but um, so being a Christian, I I always was a Christian. I don't even remember accepting the Lord. All I know is that I did. You don't, and uh, and I lived my life for Him. So. Yeah, I, I, uh, one of my favorite uh, Bible teachers is Ray Bentley, and he, uh, he, same story, just grew up in the church, loved God all his life, never had the dramatic, uh, you know, come to Jesus moment, just loved him, and just a powerful testimony of, of God's grace. So any of you out there who just love Jesus your whole life, praise God, you're not missing any, anything by, uh, you know, I mean, praise God you're not dealing with that, so, now Lori. I grew up in a Christian home, too, but um, I really didn't get it until I was about 19. Fred and I are high school sweethearts, and it was like during one of our bigger breakups that we had when I was 19, and I had been talking to my mom on the phone. And I was reading my Bible, and I don't know where I had picked it up, but someone had given me a tract somewhere, one of those cheesy tracts that gives you the four steps, and I read it, and it made sense to me for the first time in my life. So those of you who think those cheesy tracts don't work, they do. So, And then from 19 on, same with Kayala, I didn't always make the right choices, but that's where it started, and I knew that there was something, I knew it was fine, and there was something better for me, and then I just uh, worked on it from that point on, I guess. Um, I went to a uh, parochial school um, throughout the majority of my life, and it was uh, Catholic schools. Um, they teach ethics. You know, so I got ethics, so I got the Word of God, um, but never a relationship with the living God. So study-wise, I, I studied about him and knew about him, knew about his son and, and uh, the character of God and how much he did love me. But, uh, you know, I never gave my life to the Lord and um, became an elevator guy about 25 years old. And a group of guys, they were called the God Squad. And uh, downtown L.A. elevator guys, and, you know, a couple of them just kind of started walking right next to me and, and talking to me about the living Lord and how much Jesus just wanted to come and enter in my life and take over my life and straighten me up. And uh, so I started searching on my own. I had a little Bible. I carried it in my pocket. Wherever I went, I'd read it. And it was probably a, a couple months uh, during this little journey you know, God put other people in my life. Um, an elevator operator. He uh, ran a freight car. I worked downtown L.A. in a 40-story building, an old guy. And uh, every time I get in the elevator, I could see him putting his Bible down. You know, he'd put his Bible and he'd just put it down. And, and what floor do you need to go to, Byron? And I'd, you know, go to the floor I needed to go to. And, and then after a while, he'd start sharing with me. And it was things like that, you know. All I did was just ask the Lord to see if he was real. And uh, 
like the old guy in the elevator and just these guys uh, coming alongside me. And one day I was in a Bible study at the Biltmore Hotel in an elevator machine room with a bunch of guys. And um, they asked me if I would like to receive salvation. And I did. And uh, I was 26 years old. And, you know, these guys were a great, you know, just a great encouragement in my life. And one of them is still a good friend. Anthony Lafarge, and and uh, went home and shared it with Maria, and you know I wasn't a very good Christian, so I won't tell you how I, uh, you know, <laughs> celebrated my new birth in Christ, but <laughs> but. You gotta know. Well, we have a, a minute and thirty seconds, right? So we don't need to. Yeah, I don't have that much time because Matt told me I only had a no, minute. No, no, so. you can go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Byron. <laughs> but I can tell you one thing. I, I did a lot of drugs. I did a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol. And, um, you know, when I became a born-again Christian, when I received the Holy Spirit, that was the best high I ever had in my life. And, uh, and I went home and I shared with Maria that. And about a year and a half later, Maria gave her heart to the Lord. And, and it's been great ever since. And I got three kids that are a legacy of it. Absolutely. Well, I uh, was not raised in a Christian home, uh, although a neighbor uh, took me to church with him, uh, kind of took pity on uh, us three boys. But um, God used uh, some pain and suffering that I was going through in my life to draw me to himself. And once I got, went off to college, I was invited to a retreat put on by Campus Crusade for Christ, and... Uh, at that retreat, I um, was surprised to find that God loved me, find out that God loved me. And I just remember feeling like a huge burden was off my shoulders, that I felt like a child again, like I could just be happy and, and have joy, which had been missing for the longest time. So I uh, was part of the original Jesus people, if you can imagine me. Standing on the corner, passing out newspapers. The end is coming. You better be prepared. You ready? What are you going to do? Anyway. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, so pe period. Right, gotcha. Period. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what was, uh, I, just let's focus on uh, Gary and, and Byron for a second, getting those names correct. Um, what was going on in your in your hearts up to the point of um, receiving the gospel, was there a need that was going on? Was there turmoil? Was there, um, in hindsight, uh, it's easy to see the Holy Spirit was working. How did that play out, you know, to you receiving the gospel, to receiving, realizing? Because the message of, of the cross is foolishness. Believe in this Jewish guy that was 2,000 years ago and you're going to go to heaven. I mean, they died for your sins, Right. I mean, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But, I mean, how does that connect to know that you, you need to be saved? Um, so maybe you could elaborate in some way if that connects in your life, your lives. Well, from, from the start, when I heard Jesus' words in the Gospels, I was really impressed with they seemed to sound like nobody else I'd ever heard. The words were just amazing, but I thought it was um, kind of like nice old stories that I wish it was true. 
that'd be nice. But, you know, for those of us that live in the real world, it doesn't work like that. Uh, as I said, um, God used pain and suffering. Um, I, was, uh, I, w- I was clearly presented the gospel when I was a teen. A friend of mine uh, told me I needed to be saved. And I came up against uh, some objections that um, I was pretty angry, and I blamed God for all the suffering in the world. And I didn't understand why God would seemingly step aside and allow people to suffer so much and say, well, there's a lot of good coming from it. So if you can imagine a lot of anger over that. Uh, One time I remember saying, if there is a God, he must be Satan. Not too proud of those things, but um, it kind of like God kind of put me on the anvil and hammered me um, and hammered me and hammered me. And um, I met people who loved each other. And they said that God had changed them and that he had made them new. And they had problems, but they genuinely loved each other. And I I wanted that. And I was desperate. So there's a part of it that I could see that Jesus' words were true. And part of it was what my soul was going through. There's nobody else that can fill that ache that was in my soul. And so I can see God using his kindness and his grace to bring me to him. Um, Mine was more of a fear. Um, You know, I was reminded of sin, you know. Um, And I think it was through these guys that um, were sharing with me that what separates me from a loving God that cared so much about me was my sin. And I think mine was fear. Those are along the question that you're asking. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do I remove that fear that where I was going to spend eternity? You know, I wanted to spend eternity with a living God, and I didn't want to spend eternity in the other place. So I, mine was fear, knowing what sin was in my life. And what was really cool about these guys, they said that they were sinners too. You know, they didn't put the, – you know, the – the field was the same. It was just what field did you want to play on? You know what I mean? What side did you want to be on? You know, and I wanted to be on the winning team. And um, so I think that was yeah. mine. Now, with uh, Lori and Kayla, because both of you kind of were raised in the, in the faith, so to speak, when did, when did Jesus become a, a real reality and realize in a realization that your life had to change in certain areas, just sensitivity to the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Not to say that's not happening now, but way back when. Uh, when did you first realize that and realize that you had to take that and, sh- and share that with others? When were you first convinced, if you can remember that? That I had to share it with others? Yeah. Well, I'm a selfish person, and all I'm... We're recording this, right? I didn't. I didn't know about. He didn't tell us what he was going to ask us. So I'm trying to think of how I'm. I'm trying to think. Do you know already what you want to say? Maybe I'll let you go first. I got to think about it. That's fine. Um, mine was when I saw Jonah. That was uh, that was pretty simple. Is when I uh, I remember seeing him as a little boy and just going, man, I screwed up. Because Heather and I, we weren't married, you know, and so. Um, not, not that I screwed up with having Jonah, but it was just, it, it was just this. 
No. It's recorded, Jonah. Yeah. No, I, I, I just knew that, that he wasn't going to be like me. You know, and I was going to do everything in my power to have this boy be raised in a great Christian home. And I uh, knew that he needed the Lord. And, and I was going to do everything to keep him sh- on the straight and narrow, you know, and uh, that he wouldn't end up like his dad. You know, and, and you know, I was a good guy. I really was. I, I, I think I still am. <laughs> yes. But, but but at the same time, but at the same time, I just knew that uh, uh, that he was going to live a different life for me, and I was going to make sure that that was going to happen. And so, uh, so yeah, that's when I knew that. All right, bud, you better straighten out. So there's that. And then the other, th- there's another thing that happened is um, uh, at this time I was in college and we were playing football and and I had a lot of um, I had a lot of friends, you know. But right when we had Jonah, I remember it was after a football game, and we got home late, and I said, hey, man, you guys want to hang out? And nobody did. And then after that, none of my friends hung out except for one by the name of Tim Trokey. He, he's, uh, he wanted to be a pastor, and he and I, we hung out. And, and then we started having a Bible study at our house, and uh, that was pretty much it. All, all the guys that I thought were my friends, they all left. You know, and it was just Heather and I and Jonah and Tim, you know, and, and that's all we did. We just hung out and loved the Lord, really. Um, I don't think I ever really did share my faith until I started working here 20 years ago. Um, it was when I was 24, and I remember Mr. Evanick kind of telling me how parent-teacher conferences were going to go, and he told me that I had to pray with each of the parents that came in, and I was like, what? I was really worried about it because it was my first year of teaching and I was just really young and I just I didn't want to that was way out of my comfort zone so I kind of had to at first I think it was that I had to and then um, <clears throat> when you pray for someone's kids it just it's it becomes easy to do that I think and it just changes and so it kind of just came out of it, I had to and then I kind of just learned to I think that's how it wor- worked with me Awesome. I'm going to fast forward a little bit into, um, if you could each share um, just your most vivid memory of, of sharing the gospel with someone. And it could be really early or recent. And just not, not being, you know, it was a success in that you did what God told you to do. Tell me about that and, and, and how it was, how it played out. I'll, I'll go first because I know this one. Um, I'll probably cry, but um, Fred and I have a friend named Justin Simons, and he um, was Fred's friend all during college. He's still our friend. We don't see him very often, but he was heavy into Satan, bad music, and Fred was just his friend in college anyway. He, there were just wonderful things about him, but he would come over to my apartment late at night in college all by himself, and he would just talked to me for hours. He was scared, and he just would tell me, Lori, I know there's more. And So I would try to talk to him, but he was usually drunk and out of his mind, and I think he was probably had a demon. I'm not sure, but he drove a, he actually drove a hearse that said, Am I evil on the license plate? He was a great guy, but he just was mixed up in some, <laughs> and I know it sounds funny that Fred would have a friend like that, but he was just, he had a, he had just a really black heart. And anyway, after Fred and I got married, we uh, 
I just was really worried about Justin, and he would come, and, and we would talk to him, but he was just hard. And so one day, I, the Lord just put it on me to write him a letter, and I kind of wrote it in his terms about, do you want to go to the big party in the sky someday? And I just wrote him this huge letter about Jesus and what he needed to do. Well, he read the letter, and he became a Christian, and he carried that letter in his Bible. Amen. And he... um. His wife, when he got married, she said, Lori, he carries that letter in his Bible, and now he works for Billy Graham. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I, I have two. The first one is kind of a little negative one. But, uh, no, I was um, – Heather and I, we were married. We had Jonah, and we were home. I think in Hawaii, th this is the first time that, that we're home or the second time we're back in Hawaii. But uh, we had a party down at the beach. I don't know why we're partying down at the beach. But um, but I wasn't drinking at the time. And my brothers, my two brothers, my two older brothers are teasing me all day long, you know, about that. And so then, uh, so they wanted to keep drinking, right? And I said, hey, you know what, I'll, I'll go and be your uh, designated driver. So we did. We went over to a friend's house and, and – uh, but about 4 o'clock in the morning when we got home, I told them, you guys are sinners, man. <laughs> and, um, and that you guys need to change your life, man. Look at you guys. You guys and that's not a very smart thing to do, especially your two older, bigger brothers. You know? And so, so they really wanted to fight me right then and there. They wanted to throw down. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that right now. You know? but, but you guys really need the Lord, man. And then they kept saying things like, you think that you're better than us? And I said, no. I said, but my life is better than yours. I said, look at your relationships with your family. I said, look at my relationship with my wife and my family. I said, it's vastly different than yours. And I said, you guys got to change your ways. Well, it wasn't good. So the next morning, it was still awful. You know, well, it was in the morning. So the next afternoon, I guess, when they woke up, it was uh, it was bad, you know. And, and but but we kind of left after that uh, and um and it and and I want to say that it hasn't been the same since you know cuz I think it kind of um like we're reading it just cut to their heart that their little brother is just kind of telling them kind of straighten up you know um I have a better relationship with one brother than the other and so that's one of them and uh and I suggest you don't tell drunk people about, you, you know, especially family members, man, because they're going to want to just throw down. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. I can second that. Yeah. So so that's one. Um, the, um, I, I guess the other one that, that really touches my heart, and uh, there's a kid when I was over in Garden Valley, his his parents were pretty awful. His mom was a drunk, and, uh, but, but she could hold down a job, and she actually had a great job. You know, and and his dad, uh, his dad came to know the Lord, but he didn't respect his dad. And so, um, anyway, we're in my office there at the school in the gym, and he came in and he was just bawling, and and I just said, Casey, man, you just need Jesus in your life. I said I have, and you know, you're in a public school, and that's not a very good statement to say in the public school. But the school that I was in, uh, our principal was a Christian, so he let us do all kinds of stuff, you know, and it was awesome. It was flat out awesome. And, and so, but, but I just said, brother, you need the Lord, you know, and I just kind of laid it out for him. He didn't accept the Lord till later though with our, uh, with our good friend and he was the custodian at the school. 
and he prayed with him in his office in case he came to know the Lord and uh, he lives over in Chicago now. I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's walking with the Lord anyway, but he he gave his life. You know, that's what I know. And I just pray that he would. Uh, I, I just pray for that kid. So I remember those two things. Um, you know what Kayla said, you know, you don't always hear about, um, you know, some of the seeds that you plant or some of the watering that you do wherever you go. But it's really cool when somebody calls you and they tell you, you know, hey, uh, Frank or Sally or whoever, you know, mentioned your name that when you shared 10 years ago, you know, they gave their heart to the Lord just last week. So to say that what you do and what you say um, ha, you know, goes without void is is false, and that's a lie from Satan. You know what you say to people; they remember. Um, I have one that um, had happened. I don't remember how many years ago now. Um, maybe about five years ago, uh, another elevator guy uh, committed suicide, and uh, he was from the Tri Cities area. So a lot of elevator guys are there, and uh, a lot of the elevator guys know that I'm a Christian. And um, especially the ones that work for our, our company. And uh, one guy, uh, his name is Drew Beeching, big guy, you know, like 275, 300-pound Harley-Davidson dude. You know, a guy that you would never think that would, you know, break for the Lord, you know. But over the years, he always asked me questions, um, you know, about faith, about, you know, eternity, you know, is is Jesus real? Um, just questions like that. And, um, you know, I don't know if I ever gave any justice to it. Um, but the day that, that uh, Scott died, or the day that we went to the funeral, um, Drew, on his way home, he, uh, he called me up on the phone. And uh, I hope I can make it through this. But he had a fear in him. And the reason why I described his stature is because who he is. You would look at this guy. I know you guys know people in your lives that would never receive the Lord. And you think that that guy is never going to receive the Lord. That person, that lady is not going to receive the Lord. Your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. Don't give up. You know, continue to pray. But this guy, he called me up on the phone on the way back to Spokane. He lived in Spokane. He called me up and he, and he said, uh, he said, Byron, you know the things that you shared with me, you know, um, can you share a little bit more? And uh, I asked him to pull over. So um, we started talking about life and death. And this, th I mean, this conversation went on for only about five to ten minutes. And uh, so I asked him, I said, you know, I said, if you continue that drive home, and let's say you got in an accident, and you did not give your heart to the Lord, where would you be for eternity? And he told me, he says, I'd be in hell. So he already knew. I don't know if it was conversations that I've had with him or others have had with him. I don't know if the Holy Spirit spoke to him. But he saw, he saw death that day at that funeral. And um, I'm not really good at remembering scripture. Um, but I am good about, you know, I call this my bomb. You know, it's, it looks terrible. My Bible, it's got writing all over. It's got papers everywhere. And what I do is all I have to remember is my first verse. I remember Romans 
And if you guys know that, it's everyone has sinned. All has sinned and fallen the short of the See, I can't Glory even say of God. God. So I always tell the person that I'm mm. I'm talking to, I'm telling them I'm reading God's word. It's not Byron's word. So I read that verse, and right at the bottom of that verse, I got my next verse to go to, and I turn the pages to the next one. And I got five verses to to go to. And my last verse is in Revelation. And it talks about the Lord knocking on your door. And I told Drew, the Lord's knocking on your door. And he wants to enter in inside you and, and so that you could have eternal life. And I asked him if he would just repeat a prayer. And I don't have, you know, I don't have this secret prayer. It's that person's heart. And when they receive the Holy Spirit, you can sense that when you pray with that person. Like I said, it's not a formula. It's how God prompts you by the Holy Spirit to share the Word of God. It just so happens I had a privilege to share it with Drew. And he accepted the Lord on the side of the 395. So. Well, um, I'm going to share one that uh, I gave the gospel to, but uh, she responded later. Um, the students that come to us sometimes have uh, pretty rough backgrounds, and um, one person uh, came to us. She was 16. She was pregnant. And uh, really confused. Um, well, we helped her get her high school diploma, and then she wanted to go to cosmetology. And uh, so then I started getting my hair cut by her, and so I could stay in touch. Kept praying for the opportunity to talk with her. And um, here a few years ago, she said she wanted to be a nurse, and was she crazy for thinking that she could do that? And I told her, no, this is really exciting that uh, you want to go on. And uh, so she dropped by my office one day and, and said, so Gary, I know that you care for me, so tell me what, what's going on. And so I, I told her, Jesus loves me, and, and I like what he's done in my life, and, and I think he could do the same for you. And uh, she was a little spooked. <laughs> she said, now don't get religious on me. <laughs> okay, I promise I won't do that. But I did talk to her about, we've built a brick wall between us and God. We've done it. And we can't break it down. He has to break through that. Well, she said, thanks for sharing. And <laughs> I'll see you later. But um, there, another year later, she came by and says, Gary, I got saved. I said, what? <laughs> she says, yeah, yeah. And she'd actually gone to a, a Blue Mountain church. And uh, they had uh, prayed with her. She had uh, she shared what she prayed, and, and she said that they were really good to her. And, and so I was delighted. But it was also a little myth that, well, how, God, how come she didn't, how come when I gave it to her, that didn't? And uh, so there's a little uh, pettiness on my part. Uh, not a little, but a lot. Um, but Susie kind of, she helps me out when I'm feeling low. <laughs> Um, she said, you know that verse in 1 Corinthians 3 about uh, uh, some people plant seeds, some people water, and some people get the, she says, Gary, you're a seed planter. And so it doesn't feel so bad to be a seed planter, but I've noticed that over the years, I've had a lot of students that come by and I ask them questions. 
it seems that um, it doesn't seem to have a good response when I just preach at them. But if I ask them a question, so how's this working for you? How's that going? Um, asking, do the same rules apply to you that apply to me? Can I flip that back on you, for example? How's that relativism working for you in your, in your personal relationships? Anyway, I feel like um, my boss says, we can say the exact same thing to these students, and they love you and hate me. How does that work? I said, well, the biggest thing is you've got to convince them you care for them before they'll ever hear a word you say. That's your, your main job. So I pray for opportunities. I look for opportunities to, and I pray for them. And uh, it's a little different being in a public school because uh, my boss used a phrase that I'd never heard before, but she says, uh, we need to give them a come to Jesus talk, Gary. And I said, well, you can't do that in the public school. And she says, no, no, it's a, it's a, it's yeah. a phrase in our society. So, okay, we'll call it the come to Gary talk. <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, we're going to cut it short right now. Uh, I think this is an important topic, and we're probably going to pick it up in two weeks when ladies get back. And uh, if, some, if, you, if you're here in two weeks, that'd be great to have you back up again to finish. Because I, I, I do want to get into the latter part, which is what are the obstacles you're experiencing? What's, what's going on with your families? What's, what's going on with sharing the people you want to share with? Why? What's, what's the hindrance that's going on? And so I think this is, again, you've heard, I wanted to share that uh, the first part, I was hoping to get further, but there's, there's a lot more, obviously. And I want that next time to be more interactive with you and, and have you ask questions and, and bring up your thoughts. And so that'll be that, that in two weeks from now is my guess, um, all things considering. So, um, you know, this is what it's all about. It doesn't get any more deeper. It's sharing our lives with people in word and deed, writing letters. How many of you would much, re much rather write a letter than talk to someone? I understand that, you know. That's I'm telling you. He's gifted some of you in different ways. Some of you, it's going to be... Uh, talking to them straight out. Some of you, it's going to be writing a letter. Some of you, it's just going to be developing long relationships with them and, and just sharing little tidbits here and there. It's going to be awesome. But uh, we want to pick this up in a couple weeks. But I wanted to finish with 1 Timothy chapter 2. It says, I urge you, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everybody for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good. And it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given in its proper time. God desires that all men would be saved. And you are the light of the world. You are the church. You are the gathering from every tongue, nation, tribe. That you would go and shine his light and be his witness. And may the Holy Spirit do work in this gathering so that his gathering would get bigger. Not the building, but his gathering. Amen?
And may God bless Blue Mountain. May God bless the Presbyterian Church. May God bless the Methodist Church. May God bless His Church. Amen? Amen. All right. Father, we love you. We thank you. We, I just really want to ask just a blessing upon these four brothers and sister here just to, uh, just to pour it out upon them. It takes a lot to get in front of people and to share your hearts and circumstances. It's just thank you, Father, for these people. Thank you for Lori, God. What an encouragement, Lord, that, that woman is. Lord, just bless her today. Thank you for that man who, um, whose life has changed, and he holds that, that letter in his Bible today. We lift up Kayla's brothers, Lord. We lift up the people that Byron is ministering to in the elevator trade, Lord. We ask that the, the kids that Gary is building relationships with every day, day in and out, would see Christ in him, Lord. We lift up your church, and we ask that in each of our spheres of influence, Lord, that we would be selfless and you would fill us and help us to be bold, Lord, in, our, in our, the way we live and also in what we say. And so we love you, God. We thank you for all the things you've done and are doing. Amen.